forgot to turn on my recording. So again, today we're uh, we're in the book of Psalms. So leave that open, Psalm chapter eight. We've uh, been uh, going through the book of Psalms uh, for several weeks now, and again, we're mindful that it's Hebrew poetry. The book of Psalms is was written according, you know, would have been written for music. Uh, they would have sung the Psalms as part of their worship to God. Um, and it's just amazing to think about this psalm in chapter 8 is attributed to David. So think about this David, this warrior. Uh, this warrior who did such you know, things we can't even imagine on the battlefield and orchestrated wars. And, uh, and yet he has such a closeness with God and he is able to, to write poetry. Uh, he is able to express himself through, uh, through songs and through poems. And, uh, and it's just amazing to think about that, uh, who David was. And, uh, and so it's, it's attributed to him, to the choir master, according to uh, Gittith, which was probably the arrangement or a musical instrument of some sort. But he begins with that verse 1, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. And so as I thought about the whole psalm, but especially that, uh, that verse, how majestic is your name. And it just became to me why, I just started to ask the question, and if you're following along in our sermon notes, you can, uh, you'll fill in the blanks where they're highlighted on the screen, but why are we so ungrateful? Why am I so ungrateful? Why, is, why don't I just wake up with a grateful attitude every day uh, that, that, uh, that the sun is shining and that the birds are singing and that God is, 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 is alive and God is everywhere present and God is all-knowing? Why don't I just wake up grateful? Why is it such a struggle for us so much so we have to have a whole holiday to remind us to give thanks, uh, to, uh, to, to be thankful. Uh, and, and why is that such a struggle? Why are we so ungrateful? Why don't we just wake up saying, oh Lord, our Lord, who cares what's happening in politics? Whatever's happening around me in my family, you, God, are majestic all over this earth, God, you are glorious and you are awesome and you are amazing. And I am thankful that even if I'm in the pits of a dungeon, I have you. Why is that? Why is that such a struggle? And so some of the things I thought of and uh, as we talk, as, as I thought about that was, first of all, our first point, people are ungrateful because Sinful selfishness that we're born with. You've got it. I've got it. None of us are immune to it. All have sinned and fallen short. And what that does is it demagnetizes us to God's majesty. So if you've, you know, I have this magnet I meant to bring today and I forgot it, but you can put it on something and say, put it in a bucket of nails and it'll magnetize and it'll pull all those nails up. And then you push this little lever and it drops them. It demagnetizes. And so that's what sin does for us, is it demagnetizes us to God's majesty. God created us to worship Him. God created us so that we would wake up every day 
and just give glory to His name. And and that is the best you and that is the best me when I am worshiping God and giving glory to God and worshiping His name. But in my sin and my selfishness, if I allow that to go unrepentant and I don't seek the help and the strength from God's Word and the power from Christian fellowship and, and the filling of the Holy Spirit, I just become demagnetized to God's majesty. It's all around me. God is always around us. It's everywhere. He is everywhere present. But I just don't even think about it or care or pay any attention or give Him any thanks. I just go through my day doing the mundane things I have to do to get through it with no thought of who God is and how glorious and amazing He is. In Romans chapter 1, 18-20, It reminds us, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, of people, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For His invisible attributes, namely the eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made so they are without excuse. God's glory is all around every one of us. And it has been since the day you took your first breath. And we are without excuse. We are without excuse. And so we need to think about Him Some of the things, I just want to share some of the things we believe about God that the Bible teaches about God. These come from the Baptist faith and message. God is the Father. He reigns with providential care over His universe. He is taking care of us. He is taking care of His creatures. And the flow of the stream of human history according to the purposes of His grace. God is all-loving. Glory in that. God is all-knowing. He is all-wise. God is Father in truth to those who become children of God through faith in Jesus Christ. He is fatherly in His attitude toward all people. God cares about every person regardless of where they come from. And God wants all people to be saved from sin into glory in Him. We also believe in God the Son. Christ is the eternal Son of God. In His incarnation, which means He came to earth in human flesh, as Jesus Christ, He was conceived of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, had a miraculous birth, and Jesus perfectly revealed and did the will of God. You want to know what it looks like to follow God's will? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John study the life of Jesus Christ. Jesus took upon Himself human nature with its demands and necessities in identifying Himself completely with mankind, yet without sin. Jesus lived in a body just like you and I. He was tempted just like you and I, but He never sinned. He honored the divine law by His perfect obedience And in His substitutionary death on the cross, 
That means it should have been us on the cross dying for our sin. But Jesus took our place. He became our sin. He made provision for the redemption of men, from, of people from sin. He was raised from the dead with a glorified body and appeared to His disciples as the person who was with them before His crucifixion. And then He ascended into heaven and is now exalted at the right hand of God where He is the one mediator, fully God, fully man, in whose person is affected the reconciliation between God and man, between God and people. We are made right with God through Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. And now He will return in power and glory to judge the world and to consummate His redemptive mission. He now dwells in all believers as the living and ever-present Lord. These are the things we should glory in. When you think about God, don't think about Santa Claus or some man upstairs or some distant know these truths. When we glory in God, we're glorying in God the Father, in God the Son, and in God the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God fully divine. The Holy Spirit inspired holy men of old to write the Scriptures. Through illumination, He enables people to understand truth. The Holy Spirit exalts Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit convicts people of sin. Don't blame me if God's Word begins to make you feel convicted of your sin. I can't do it. I could get up here and talk all day long and nothing would happen. But the Holy Spirit can one word, one part of the Bible, one little verse can convict you in your heart. And you know you've got to change. You've got to repent. The Holy Spirit convicts people of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. He calls people to the Savior and affects regeneration. You become a new creation. At the moment of regeneration, He baptizes every believer into the body of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit cultivates Christian character. You become more Christ-like as the Holy Spirit lives within you. The Holy Spirit comforts believers and bestows the spiritual gifts by which they serve God through His church. He seals the believer into the day of final redemption. His presence in the Christian is the guarantee that God will bring the believer into the fullness of the stature of Christ. God has begun a good work in you if you're a believer and He is going to see it to completion. He lightens and empowers the believer in the church in worship, evangelism, and service. God is the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. So as we worship God and as we think about the psalmist declaring this, Oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is Your name among the earth. I promise you, if you will let go of that sin and that selfishness, and you will let the Holy Spirit in, let God in, how glorious it is to worship God and to be attracted to God and to, to know Him and to worship Him as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Our next point today is we're ungrateful because the human heart hardened by sin refuses to look to the heavens. We just don't want to do it. Try to study anything about science and it will start off with billions and billions of years ago, 
pond scum evolved into whatever else that evolved into. Just like it's just the truth. Like they know it as a fact because they don't want to look to the heavens. Whenever we have problems and struggles is our immediate response to look to God, to look to, to heaven, to trust in Him, or is it to find a human solution or some kind of uh, comfort? We want uh, pain relief instead of a cure. We want uh, something like that instead of truly turning to God and looking to the heavens. The psalmist says, when I look to the heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, do you let the moon and the stars preach to you? Wow, God is glorious. Wow, God is amazing. Wow, look at His creation all around. And even above and beyond the stars and anything that we can see is God's glory. The psalmist is amazed at all that God is doing. But us, in our sinful Nature in our hard-heartedness, we refuse to look to the heavens. We refuse to really trust and turn to God with all our heart and our soul and our mind and our strength. Think about what we believe about people. Uh, we uh, also come in, sorry to put so much doctrine, but also come in from the Baptist faith and message People are the special creation of God. So recognize that. Yes, we have sinned and fallen short, but we are still special and amazing because God created us. He made us in His own image. That's what makes you different than monkeys or cattle or dogs or whatever else is that God breathed life into you. And as God breathed life into mankind, He breathed His eternal nature. And so we are His special. We are created in His image. He created us male and female as the crowning work of His creation. Worthy of respect and Christian love. All people, because of who God created us to be, are worthy. The gift of gender is thus part of the goodness of God's creation. In the beginning, man was innocent of sin and was endowed by his creator with freedom of choice. But by his free choice, people sinned against God and brought sin into the human race. Through the temptation of Satan, man transgressed the command of God and fell from his original innocence whereby his posterity inherit a nature and an environment inclined towards sin. Therefore, every person of every race possesses full dignity and is worthy of Christian respect and love. Therefore, as soon as they are capable of moral action, they become transgressors and are under condemnation. Only the grace of God can bring people into His holy fellowship and enable people to fulfill the creative purpose of God. The sacredness of human personality is evident in that God created man in His own image, people in His own image, and in that Christ died for man, therefore every person of every race possesses full dignity and is worthy of respect and Christian 
love. Think about that. Let that sink into your life. What we believe. A greatest part of our ungratefulness is that right there. Our heart is hardened by sin and we refuse to look to heaven. Are you turning to God for answers? Do you think about what we believe about God and who He is and really know what you believe about God, but also what you believe about yourself and about everyone? That we have all sinned, we have all fallen short, but the gift of God is, is, is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And then also we're ungrateful because the human mind deceived by sinful humanistic thinking is not mindful of God. Yet God is mindful of humankind. How awesome is that? How many years I lived that I wasn't mindful of God. I didn't think about Him. Pushed God out of my life. Decided to die. I wasn't going to believe that stuff. And yet God was still mindful of me. I know of many times that it had to be the intervention of God that kept me from being in really bad places, falling further and further into sin and despair. And I can look back now and see how God worked in so many ways. Even though I wasn't mindful of Him, God was mindful of me and God is mindful of you. And that's an awesome truth to remember. People may have forsaken God and they may look like there's no hope and there's no going back, but God is still until their last breath. Arms out, reaching for them, seeking them, sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with them. But without Christ and without the Holy Spirit, we're deceived. By sinful humanistic thinking. And humanistic thinking is, I put God, put people first. I believe scientists over the Bible. I believe people, you know, memes or whatever I'm reading on social media or whatever else, whatever doctor or professor or expert the news people put up. Oh, I believe him. I worship them or the celebrities. I worship her. I listen to her. I believe her advice and her guru and uh, all of her whatever. Instead of turning to God and his word and believing in who God is. And just recognizing the nonsense that this world spews. It's human-centered, and human-centered is not getting us anywhere. We've got to be God-centered. The psalmist just wonders about what is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you take care of him. In light of all the greatness of God around us, what are we? If you've ever done something, gotten an airplane or hiked a mountain or gone somewhere, this ocean, where you just get the sense of this greatness of the ocean or the sky. Or you see the valley below and it's just amazing. You just feel so little. 
What is, what are, you know, if we're in a spaceship looking down, you can't even see that we exist. Yet God knows us and He cares about you and He has every hair on your head counted. How awesome is that? How amazing is that? God's creation is all around you. Every day, every moment. I grew up in West Texas. You look out there in Odessa, or even, and even there's even uglier places, believe it or not, and you look like there's nothing out there. It's just a ghost. It's just, just dust and mesquite trees. But if you start hiking around and looking around, you see all sorts of creatures, horny toads and rattlesnakes and all these amazing creatures that live out there every day, even though from us, just looking from a distance, it looks like nothing around. But God's creation is all around. And part of that creation is you. Part of that creation is you. How awesome is that? It includes you. You are God's amazing creation. Are you living an ungrateful, demagnetized, hard-hearted existence? If your existence is people-centered, then you are. And you can put all the religious toppings you want to on it. You can dress to the nines in religiosity or whatever else. But if that heart deep down where God especially sees is ungrateful, and no matter how God tries to draw to you, you push it away, you're demagnetized, you don't want God, your heart is hard, you and I are in trouble if that's where we're at. Is your mind so full of this world you can't declare the majesty God's majesty with this psalmist. Oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. How majestic is your name in all the earth. Ask God to magnetize you today. Ask God to, to magnetize you, to draw you to himself. I want you to spend some time looking at Luke 15. and It's just where they, they, they get upset with Jesus. All these sinners, tax collectors, prostitutes are drawing to you. What's wrong with you? You eat with these people. They were, they were demagnetized to Jesus and they were the religious leaders. But all these broken people who had been rejected by the religious leaders were drawn to Jesus. Ask for that in your life. Ask God to remove your hard and sinful hearts and give you a new heart that loves Him and longs for heaven. Ask God. James says, you have not because you ask not. And if you're living with a hard heart, with a bitter soul, with no care for God or what God is doing all around you, you need to ask God. You need to turn to Him. You need to humble yourself before God and ask Him to give you a new heart. A heart that loves Him. Look at that passage in Ezekiel. 
chapter 11, 18 through 20. And this, then ask God to take every thought captive, to obey, worship, and bring honor to Jesus Christ. Ask God to take every single thought captive. It's easy to get caught up in all that's going on in our country and to get our eyes off of God and on to human leaders. But that's not the answer. There will be no human leader that is going to lead us perfectly. Read the Old Testament. All of these kings, even the best even David and Solomon fell into sin and, uh, and in some ways failed their people. We're not to look to human leaders. And so whatever thoughts are coming into your mind, take them captive, handcuff them, and take them to the Lord Jesus Christ and say, is this from you? Or take it to the Bible. Is this line up with Scripture? And if it's not from Jesus... If there's no confirmation or peace in your heart from the Holy Spirit, if it doesn't line up with the Word of God, you cast it out in Jesus' name. Amen. Cast it out in Jesus' name. Are you living with a grateful heart? Because it's a grace-filled heart. If your heart, and once your heart, is filled with the grace of God found in Jesus Christ, it's going to be grateful. It's going to be a heart that is grateful for God. And you're going to be able, no matter what is going on, that is how the disciples and the apostles sang hymns and prayed in prison. That is how Stephen, as he is being stoned to death, and people are hitting him with rocks and breaking his bones with rocks, unjustly killing him just because he's a Christian, he is able to pray for them. And his face shone like the face of an angel because his heart was filled with the grace of God in Jesus Christ, his Lord. That's where we've got to begin if we want to be thankful, not just in November, but every day. It's got to be by grace. We are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. God, we're so thankful this morning for You, for Your Word. God, for Your glory. How majestic You are, God. All around us every day, every person in here is a piece of Your majesty and Your glory. God, help us to rise in Your name. Help us to bring glory to You. God, and if there's anyone in here that hasn't believed in Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord in this time of invitation, move in their life that they might repent and turn to You. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.